You've heard of the law of attraction. You've likely even tried some of the old school manifestation techniques. Why, after saying hundreds of positive affirmations and constantly attempting to get into some high vibe state, does it feel like nothing is shifting? It's likely because you aren't manifesting from your unique energetic alignment. Want to find out how you can manifest more consistently and effectively? Take the short, fun, and informative quiz that we created and learn how to understand and utilize your energy to create abundance in your business. Go to www.manifestationquiz.com and take the quiz today. It's here, my friend. In this episode of the podcast, we go behind the scenes and talk about the making of my documentary film, Invisible. And now the film is available on Amazon Prime. That's right. You can rent or even purchase the film in the U.S. and the United Kingdom as of today. So go to Amazon Prime and look for Invisible Documentary. But wait, now meet my producing partners and hear all about this journey that completely changed my entire life. This is the Creative Soulpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Demas. Let's go. Okay, my friends, welcome back to the Creative Soulpreneur Podcast. Today's guest, I have been on a long journey with, and I do mean long, in the most creative and sometimes incredibly fun and sometimes incredibly painful way. And I can't wait to dive in with these guests. So welcome to the show, Rose, and welcome back, Pallavi. Oh, Am I like your first repeat guest? You're the, you're the second, but I will say okay. this. I will say this. You were the first to do a duo, and you're now the second to do a duo. I haven't had a duo since 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 you were here last, so there you mm-hmm. go. There you go. As long as I'm special for some reason, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> you'll, you'll, you'll always be special. You'll always be special. So, okay. For anybody out there who is listening and doesn't know what I'm talking about, it's that we created a film together. We created a documentary film called Invisible. Well, before we get into the film, I have a question for both of you first, which is separate from the film. And that question is, I'm going to start with you, Rose. What does creativity mean to you? Oh, man. Um, Hi, everybody. Uh, Creativity is air, I think, for me. And I will add that creativity is is trauma in my family um, because my mom actually holds anyone creative to sort of like a beautiful lovely high standard so like if you're creative my mother thinks you're amazing and if you're not creative not as amazing um so I have I realize I have created a lot of things in my life around creativity because I think that that's beautiful and my sister's done the opposite and that's also fine. Oh, okay. I could dive into an entire episode on just what you just said. So I'm going to have to have you back for that. Okay. <laughs> anytime, <laughs> any, any, anytime. <laughs> and Pallavi, what does creativity mean to you? My gut instinct to that question is that it's to feel and express without fear. Ooh, that's good. 
That's good. And you know what? I would say the journey of this film has been watching you step into that. Me specifically? Yeah. Mm. Truly. Mm. I'll buy that. Yeah. So speaking of which, let's back it up now. Let's start at the very beginning. And how did this project, this documentary about fibromyalgia begin? Because it didn't begin with me. Do you, do you, want, to, do you want to know where it really began, Nick? Yeah, I do. Uh, in Landmark. Do you know what Landmark is? Yeah, Landmark Forum, right? Yeah. yeah. That's where it began. I can say really beautiful things about that education and then also some things that are not as beautiful. But what I will say is that I'm very grateful because that education got me past a lot of the fears, like Pallavi is saying about, about you know, creativity really being a way that we face fears, grow past them, grow as people. I believe that very much. And actually, this documentary was my SELP project, which is is one of the farthest landmark classes you can do. And I was even a coach for them as well at one point. So this this film, this idea for this film, which is initially way, way more broad than it ended up being, was my project in that class. And as a part of that, I had to, I was tasked with finding people that I knew who might help me make this project happen. Um, so that actually got me to make a phone call to Pallavi to say, hey, I have this idea for a documentary. Would you have any, I know I had heard Pallavi say that she wanted to be a producer, wanted to have a production company. Like I had heard that in passing in our in our friendship, in our relationship outside. Um, and so that got me to get on on the phone with her, just with a very general idea of wanting to make a film allowing for visibility for people with chronic illness, which at that chronic invisible illness, it was very, very, very broad at that point. Yeah, well, I mean, I got the phone call and I was going to say that it's it's interesting that you remember, Rose, that me saying that I wanted to be a producer, because I don't think I knew what that meant. To me, producers were powerful people who had access to money and like had you know it's like to me the the definition of a producer is like a very like old school like you know person in a suit a, a white guy in a suit that you know came from a, a rich family who could give money to things to make projects happen and so I think for me at that time I think I was just starting to understand that like a producer is a facilitator and I think the reason why it spoke to me is, or your idea spoke to me is because um, being an actor is very, um, in a lot of ways, selfish and insular. And, and I don't mean selfish in a bad way. It just means that it is very much about selling yourself as a product. And to me, being, helping you with this project would help me not have to think about myself all the time, if that makes sense. And so to, it, it felt like more of a, a like a, business endeavor rather than like this new career path which I had no idea it was going to become well yeah and the interesting thing about that is that then you were like okay who do I know yeah right because right? that's what you do in business yeah and so <laughs> and so you came to me and mm -hmm. You basically said, hey, we have this idea. Oh, well, my friend has fibromyalgia. Do you know what that is? And I was like, yeah, my mother has it. But I don't really know what it is. I don't understand what it is. And 
you'd also come to me at this point where I was at a crossroads in my own career, in my own life, and really wanting to expand my creativity and open to new possibilities. And so this idea of a documentary, I had no idea what it meant, to be perfectly honest, but I was like, okay, let's do it. And I met you all at a coffee shop on 49th Street, <laughs> and we just sort of started. Now, uh, this is good. This is the next question for you, because I think there's got to be people out there that are like, I don't even know what you're talking about. What is fibromyalgia? And the very first day of shooting, it was the first question I asked absolutely everyone. So I'm turning it now to you and saying, what is fibromyalgia? So fibromyalgia is a chronic health condition for which there is no cure that is deeply stigmatized and yet at the same time in my opinion there are a lot of benefits to being diagnosed with fibromyalgia specifically because though there is no I'm using air quotes cure there is also no lasting damage done on the physical body. So something like psoriatic arthritis is going to break your joints down. Fibromyalgia doesn't do that, but your joints might hurt. So with fibromyalgia, you have the opportunity to make some lifestyle changes and essentially live a completely normal life with a chronic condition that cannot be, again, air quotes, cured. And yet it also won't kill you. Uh, I was going to say that it is a label that comes with both physical and emotional pain. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I agree with I agree with that. It is definitely something that you get labeled because there is no concrete test. There is no blood test for it. And it is often a combination of symptoms, a combination of problems that you may be experiencing in the body, in the mind, as you were saying, and it can, and this is where I think there's been a lot of confusion, particularly in the past, and why we, when we did ask, we went up to everyone and got 5,000 different answers. There was mm -hmm. no one answer. Every single person we asked started, began giving us different answers, which then opened up to even more questions for us in terms of where we were going to go. Because originally, as you had said, Rose, that the film was about chronic pain. And I think I was like, mm, it needs to be about fibromyalgia. We need to like niche this down to more make it more specific. And because I really wanted to find answers for my mom. That's ultimately why I wanted to, to do the film. I wanted to figure out ways in which I could help her. Was she functioning? Yes. Could she have been better? Yes. What Did they hand her a shit ton of painkillers and say, good luck? Yes. And that's really what I wanted to figure out for her. That was the most important thing to me was that the healthcare system that is very broken, as we know, has been creating an entire population of people that are hooked on painkillers because they don't know what else to do. And it, that really was more my mission is to find out what other options were out there, which is not popular. 
(laughs) (laughs) To say the least, you know, I think everything, the the first big realization I think we came to after that first day and how many different answers we got is like, wow, this is not sexy at all. Who's going to care about this? Because we care because we're in it. And the people that we spoke to care because they're because they're in it. But the the mere fact that there is not a concrete definition of what comes with that word and that diagnosis is what makes it not sexy. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like memeable and like captionable and like you know what I mean. <laughs> like and and the film is called <laughs> Invisible because most people who have fibromyalgia, all of their symptoms or most of their symptoms are completely invisible, and when I was my sickest, I was passing air quotes as a healthy person, as an actor and in the fit as a fitness professional, when I was at my sickest and I was able to do that because my illness was invisible. So how do we create visibility around something that is invisible? I can't remember Rose. Were you ever, told that it was in your head completely yes yeah Yeah. and I think a lot of people experience that and I you know my mother did not that's not something that my mother did my my mother had but my mother's a very privileged (laughs) a very privileged white lady you know who it has an upper middle class background who has a really phenomenal health insurance and healthcare accessibility. I think one of the things that we also found very quickly was how different life was for somebody who had access and for those that did not. Yes. Yeah. The inequities and disparities. Yeah. Yeah. And that was one of the biggest reasons why I wanted to make the movie and why I wanted to bring this up is that I realized that my experience was different because by the time this was an idea that I had, that I wanted to do this, I wasn't experiencing symptoms anymore. And the further I got from experiencing symptoms, the more removed I felt from the community and the more I felt like a very, very far outlier. I also had a lot of privilege The difference for me, and I think the reason why I got labeled as it being in my head, uh, partly has to do with my age, because I was so young, partly has to do with the fact that I am naturally genetically fairly thin and fairly fit. So I don't just look, you know, it's not, but you just don't, but you don't look sick. For me, it was like, but you look athletic was also something I dealt with specifically. And I was... I I tend to be an emotional person. So there was a sense I was also in an acting in the the acting field. And in, I was, when I was most symptomatic, I was in a BFA acting program. So there was a, a lot of perception of me as an emotional melodramatic person. So that did not help people take me seriously in terms of how I was physically feeling. Right. But when it came right down to it, I had a lot of means and access and then a lot of education, both that I found myself that I sought out and that I was able to get by being able to afford to pay to become a certified Pilates instructor, for example, to learn about 
anatomy and biomechanics and and things like that to learn about nutrition to learn about supplements to learn about those things that was a lot of privilege that I had and the more I learned the more I felt like an outlier in the community the more privilege I felt like I thought I had and community is interesting because I think that there are we literally just talked about this today in a separate call that there are many pockets of communities within the fibromyalgia community at large because millions of people are affected by this, millions in the United States. So there are many people out there who may have it but don't have a community or find themselves in these little pockets of communities, particularly like in Facebook groups and that kind of thing. What do you say to somebody who is maybe struggling and they don't know if they have it, they don't know if they do have it, like they're not really sure, what what advice would you give them? So it's funny, Nick, uh, I don't necessarily recommend people seek a diagnosis, mostly just because it's not always helpful and it may be emotionally challenging, um, like it may mess with your head. So I generally recommend that if you feel like you have this, ask more questions and see what feels right for you in terms of lifestyle change. And it's also very interesting because my view on some of that has changed. Like I I went through a long period of being too rigid with my lifestyle change to a point that it negatively impacted my mental health. Um, And I do think that the wellness industry can be a little dangerous at times. So I think the most important thing is to take a look at our stress and our emotional health and navigate what feels right in terms of, I'll use air quotes again, a healthy lifestyle, Um, because there's a lot that can be done, you know, just in terms of like, oh, you think you have fibromyalgia? Great. Like, can you take a look at how stressful your day-to-day life is? And can you take a look at your sleep quality? Start there. And if you can improve those, then maybe you might want to exercise a little bit and maybe you need a little education to do that. Or maybe you could eat differently or maybe you could notice that like, oh, my body really doesn't feel that great when I eat X, Y, Z thing. So maybe because it would make me feel better in my body, I might limit that item. But I would say we get so extreme on needing there to be a term, needing there to be a label, needing there to be a strict thing to follow, something that's going to fix it. But if you're looking to fix something, that means you're broken. And I don't fundamentally believe that. Well, it's interesting because I think, you know, for me, it obviously happened in reverse. Spoiler alert. If you don't want to hear the spoiler, fast forward a few moments. I get diagnosed with fibro in the film, but it happened sort of in reverse for me in that I was looking at what, like you were saying, I didn't have a label. I was just looking at, oh, I have digestive issues. Okay, let me fix that. Oh, I feel really stiff in the morning. Okay, let me fix that. Oh, I'm having mental issues. Okay, let me go to therapy and fix that. Like I was doing all the stuff. And then we found out there was a genetic component. And that was really a turning point. Paula V. (laughs) (laughs) wait exercise some peer pressure (laughs) a little bit (laughs) producer peer pressure (laughs) 
I listen, like I, we, I remember having that call in your office in New York with Tammy and mm-hmm. she said that and you, and it's in the movie actually, where you're just like, your eyes get big and you, and you, and you smile on camera when she says there's a genetic component. And I was like, were you thinking what I was thinking during the, you know, we cut, you know, and then like, I think we should, you know, we should figure, you know, we should figure this out and see if we should explore this. And you were like, no, I don't have this. <laughs> <laughs> denial, denial, denial. No, I really didn't. I honestly didn't think that, think that it was going to be, going to be a, a positive diagnosis. I really didn't. I think that I had been managing. You didn't it. because I remember a conversation when I was driving us back from New Jersey from a shoot date in my car. And you were my passenger asking me questions about symptoms and you were so sure you didn't have it. Yeah, I didn't think I did. All the reasons why you didn't have it. Oh, that's interesting. Here's and, why. Here's and why. I, and I, why. You know, I knew that it was my time and my place to say, oh, yeah, right. Okay, sure. Yeah, like, let's see what the doctor says. Honestly, I felt that there was one reason why I did not think so. Because technically, clinically... And this is not in the film, but technically and clinically, it's widespread pain for three months or more. Mm-hmm. And I never had three months in a row. But what they're not taking into consideration was that I was managing the pain. I was getting to the root of the problem over and over again so that I didn't have that. Mm-hmm. And so I think I had that in the back of my brain somewhere that, well, I didn't, I, it's not all the time, so I can't. Can't right. be. And imagine that you you didn't have those tools, yeah, to navigate it right. Which is, yeah. I would say, most people. I mean, I was I was in my teens. I didn't know what was going on. I did have a, an extended period of time. I don't remember if it was three months or not, but it was an extended period of time because I didn't have the tools to manage it. But this is also why I would go back and I would say, if you think you have it, great. Believe yourself. Don't gaslight yourself. If it's if you are a person that is important to have a label, then I would say seek out a fibromyalgia expert, not just any old rheumatologist, and get an actual test. You're, they're going to do some blood tests on you and are going to rule everything else out that's treatable. And if you need that label, get it. But if the label is not important to you, there's no harm in watching our film, learning some things about about what might help manage it and asking some questions of some smart people, some of which are in our film, and making those lifestyle changes and see if you feel better. I mean, look, I couldn't have been more fortunate. Like, (laughs) talk about privilege, the top of the top. I couldn't be anymore in that I, you know, not only do I have health insurance, not do I have the, the ability, not only had I learned all of this before, but even when I'm ready to try to go get my diagnosis that takes some people six, eight, 10 years I got to go to the leading specialist in the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, come mm-hmm. on. You got to go to two, actually. Yes. <laughs> I mean, come on. Plus the, the leading coach of the entire world about fibromyalgia. Like, mm-hmm. And your insurance didn't get billed because we were filming. A no, movie. and I didn't have to pay for any of it. <laughs> You know, it's interesting, and this might be another angle to this conversation, but like, I remember another part of me at that time, and I don't know if you felt this, if either of you felt this, but we had had a couple, a lot of ups and downs in the creative arc of this movie, right? In the making yeah. of it. That's an understatement. But what I'm trying to say is like, you know, at that time, when we were talking about 
what is this story? It was like, you know, we were at a crossroads because we had lost a storyline due to some unfortunate events and we didn't know where to go. Right. And I remember when that call happened and that interview happened and that conversation with you, Nick happened. And I was just like, this, this is what, like, even if it, if it, even if it turned out that you did not have this on camera, the fact that we would present the question that a viewer would watch this and then be able to ask them the self, ask themselves the same question. Hey, should I be considering my own health or like, oh, do I have a history of this? You know what I mean? It was like that sort of midsection, that sort of, um, that sort of intermission moment, you know, of a movie yeah. and that, and in a way I like, I really had to ask myself like, wow, this is, this is why documentary is so hard because it's real stories unfolding in real time. And as a producer of those, and as a co-writer with you, I was like, trying to tread that line of being sensitive to that yeah. right and it was like i i felt like that was such a, a it was such a test that we were all sort of taking of like are we just trying to sensationalize this but no we were actually thinking oh maybe this is the question we need to pose and yeah. it was also at that moment polity that you also became a character because we heard you behind the camera and then we had to set up a scene where you came in front of the camera which is an also a fascinating thing about making a documentary which I know that this this podcast, your Nick, your podcast is about creativity. And I think that this was actually a really beautiful creative moment in this film between the relationship of the two of you, Polity and Nick, in order to see where the arc of the film needed to go, make a decision, and then also create a new character in terms of Polity, because sometimes, and I find this really interesting, I watch a lot of docuseries, a lot of documentaries, and Sometimes we never see a documentarian, but they're behind the camera asking questions. Sometimes they're in front. What that decision is and, and how that works with our storytelling. And I find that to be a very pow powerful moment. Um, a slight spoiler, not really, but we get to see the two of you having a meal talking about this moment in the film. And I think it's one of the most powerful moments in the film because we also see this friendship and this relationship between the filmmakers. And we see more about why this subject matter matters to each of you and you know Polly as someone who before knowing me maybe didn't have a personal connection to fibromyalgia at all but then here you were sandwiched between the two people who you're making this movie with we have absolutely others not just the two you know three of us there are a lot of other people that helped but you just hear what I'm saying hundreds of people made this film so many hundreds but like mm -hmm. here you were sandwiched between us and now it wasn't just me who had it it now Nick does too and I I find that to be an extremely powerful and and beautiful moment in the film so also your willingness Polity to become a character I think helps the storytelling in the moment as well. I know. I was like trying not to be an actor for once. And I'm just like, ended up on camera anyway. <laughs> we needed it. There was no other way. Well, that leads me to my next question, which is what did you learn about yourself in the making of this film? Um, I, I mean, this is, I, this is a movie that taught me, I think everything I know about what I, what I do now, what I want to continue to do. Um, I think because again, because I was so removed from it, I, I thought when I started it, I was like, oh man, like compelling storytelling really is, I, I think I just learned really that filmmaking is about storytelling and it's not about like the elements that go into it, if that makes sense. I was like thinking about filmmaking as like 
oh, you have to know about cameras and then you have to know about fundraising and then you have to know about, you know, distribution. It's like I was always thinking of it as like the pieces rather than the entire thing, like the the puzzle itself, like the full picture. And I think it really gave me an education that like the storytelling is the seed, the whole thing. It's the whole thing. What about you, Rose? What did you learn about yourself? That I never want to do unscripted again. Um, <laughs> no, no, that too. Fine. That too. Ditto. Never again. Uh, give me a script, please. Thank you. Yes. Uh, uh, I, yeah. I would say the same, but I have another documentary coming out, so yeah. never mind. Which is beautiful, and we can't wait for it. Yeah, I, I learned so much. I think if I have to distill it down, it's that... As a, as a human being, I will always be willing to be vulnerable if there's a purpose for it. Like if there is something that I can share about my life or my life experience that when shared makes something easier for someone else, I will do that. And I still prefer to be an actor with a script who's a character if I'm in front of the camera in storytelling. And if, you know, those of you who haven't watched the film, I am also one of the subjects in the film. And it was both very, very easy to be transparent and vulnerable as I did that, but then also has been very difficult to want to continue to be any kind of face of this film, mostly because I I see fibromyalgia as something that impacted my life in the past tense because it does not impact my day-to-day life at all anymore and hasn't for almost two decades. So I think I will always value when we can help others with our life experience and then also really value when I can make it not about me. So I knew I didn't want to write a memoir at the age of 27 when I first wanted to try to figure out how I could tell others that there was a way to have fibromyalgia but not have it have you, right? I knew that, but it was like, okay, it's not just my story. And I'm very glad I sought out a way for other stories to be told. This is not a movie just about me. Thank God. Well, and speaking of that, it's not just about you. Is there anything in that you want to say to somebody who hasn't watched the film that they need to know about the film to watch it, to get them to watch it even? If you're, if you're you know, those people out there, they're like, I don't know if this is for me. Like, fibromyalgia, yeah. like what? I'll I'll jump in here as somebody uh, the the minority here that doesn't have it right. Yeah. Um. I'll I here it's <laughs> uh, yeah. I I'm gonna say that like the the piece of data that I think everybody will find interesting is that most people that watch this then think to themselves, oh I experienced that, oh I experienced that, oh I experienced that, and then it leads them to question the people in their lives and their own health, right? And so what we've learned is that there is a majority of the population that does have this, that doesn't know that they have it. That is so common. And that is why it is no longer okay that it is overlooked in the way that it is in the healthcare industry, right? Like there is a large portion of the population that experiences symptoms of this condition. So we should all know that we can ask ourselves these questions after watching. And I think this movie has, has helped many people. Um, ask themselves those questions. I can tell you it definitely has. I mean, I'm getting, I get DMs and texts, not only from people with fibromyalgia. So if you already have fibromyalgia, it's your film to watch because it's about you and for you. 
and they're thanking me, right? Thank you, thank mm-hmm. you. Oh my gosh, I'm finally seen. I was able to share this with my husband. I was able to share it with my cousin. You know, those are the kind, but I'm also getting it from people, DMs from people who are seeing it who don't have it, who are like, oh, I truly got an education here. It's both informative and entertaining. And I think that is really important. And it was important to me all along. And I'm really glad that we were able to achieve that. I, I want to yeah. add to that as well with two other concrete things. Um, the first being, we as we learn more about long COVID, if you are someone who has been either diagnosed with long COVID or has been dealing with that or think you may, may be dealing with that, I would recommend watching our film because there are a lot of parallels between the symptoms and manifestations of long COVID with fibromyalgia. So some of the education that we give about fibromyalgia specifically may apply to you. So that's an offering that I would give um, there. The the similarities are a bit a bit mind-blowing, to be perfectly honest. And then the other thing I would say is that I would love us to live in a culture that is less ableist and more open-minded and more thoughtful about whatever invisible thing anybody might be dealing with or even visible thing that that anyone might be dealing with. And I would hope that watching our film would help a viewer who maybe doesn't have fibromyalgia or anything like it to be able to say, oh, I can create some boundaries or maybe I don't know what that other person is dealing with. Maybe I should pause a second or maybe I should ask, maybe I shouldn't make any assumptions. You know, maybe I, maybe I could cancel these plans just because I'm feeling a little bit tired and need a little space. Like maybe it would inspire anyone to be kinder to themselves and to others around health and life in general. I love that because we talk a lot about that in my with my clients, with my students in our, the coursework about the holistic life. That it's more than just the project, it's more than just your business, it's more it it's how you live in your totality. So, okay, final 3, I call these the final 3, they're the fast 3, but since there's two of you, we're going to have to like navigate that. One of them you was going to get a chance to think about it. Ooh, I hate that. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> First question, Pallavi, if you could collaborate with anyone, clearly we've already had with us, so not us, that you haven't yet, who would it be? Oh, wow. Okay. Um, wh- you really put me on the spot there because I have a big bucket list. <laughs> Give us one. I, I have a big bucket list. Sandra O. Oh. Sandra O. Oh, I love O. Oh. I mean, who doesn't love Sandra O? Oh? Awesome. Yeah. Ro- Rose. Oh God. So I have this thing where when you, can I blame fibro fog? Oh, that's mean. Uh, (laughs) I forget people's names when you ask me a question like this and I can see her in my head. Uh, She's playing Barbie soon. Um, Margot Robbie. Thank you. I would love to work with Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie. And I forgot your name, Margot, because I forget that stuff if you're listening, because I know you (laughs) Um, you forgot your name. This is a thing that happens to me now because I don't know your name or think you're cool. I love it. Okay, next question. We'll start with you, Rose. What is the next greatness you're manifesting? I am manifesting a larger house. I own a a 500-square-foot house on a nice big lot, and I'm building a 1,500-square-foot house so that I can house out-of-towners when I film movies in Southern Oregon. Oh, I love. Mm. 
Uh, I'm manifesting a five picture deal for $12 million. Get it. Final question. <laughs> I, I know you will. So that was like very firm and I, I, I have no doubt that that's going to happen. <laughs> so final question, fill in the blank. I am Rose. Grateful. Holiday. I'm fine. Fine. I'm fine. Yeah. Good. <laughs> grateful and fine. I am grateful for you both. I am fine with our movie and what we created and what we're putting out into the world. And I appreciate both of you for being here. If you haven't yet watched the film, please go do so. Of course, we'll put in the show notes for you where you can click to watch, to follow us on the socials. What are your socials? Personal socials, professional socials, rather. <laughs> Pallavi. Yeah, I'm at Pallavi Sastry almost everywhere. Rose. You can really only find me on Instagram occasionally. I am Rose Harwood. <laughs> and I am Nick Demas, and I thank you so much. That's not my social handle. That was just me being silly. I'm at the Nick Demas. Do send me a DM of your takeaway from today's episode and go watch the film if you haven't. And if you have, let us know what you think. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next time. Thank you again for listening. <laughs>